Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Los Angeles County is seeing a massive spike in COVID-19 cases that has public health officials warning of tough weeks ahead. The county reported more than 6,500 cases yesterday, more than double the number reported on Tuesday. Here's County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. If our case numbers continue to increase at a rapid pace over this week and next, we could be looking at case numbers we have never seen before well over 20,000 cases a day by the end of the year. Ferrer says the jump in cases reflects increased circulation of the Omicron variant, which has spread rapidly in the state. On a positive note, hospitalizations have remained fairly stable, although Dr. Ferrer says those numbers usually lag behind initial spikes in positive COVID cases. And although she doesn't expect new restrictions to be put in place in the county, Ferrer says with Omicron, everything is on the table. All healthcare workers and nursing home staff in California will be required to get a COVID-19 booster shot by February 1st. KQED's Azul Dahlstrom Ekman has more from Governor Gavin Newsom's announcement. California was the first state in the nation to require healthcare workers to be vaccinated. Now Newsom says boosters are crucial to keeping them protected. We recognize now that just being fully vaccinated is not enough with this new variant, and we believe it's important to extend this requirement to getting that third dose, to getting boosted. The announcement comes after President Biden on Tuesday implored Americans to get vaccinated and boosted amid surging Omicron cases in some states. While California has the lowest test positivity rate in the country, COVID cases have nearly doubled in the last week. Newsom also announced the state will be purchasing 6 million home test kits to distribute to school children before the start of the next term. So that they can get those results back quickly and make sure when they go back into person, they're doing so safely, knowing that they have not contracted the disease over the holidays. Newsom said he is committed to keeping schools open for in-person instruction, and this kind of testing will be crucial to keeping them safe. The state will also extend the hours of test sites in high-demand areas. Newsom said 90 percent of Californians have access to a free testing site within 30 minutes of their home. Those sites can be found on the state's MyTurn site. For the California Report, I'm Azul Dahlstrom-Ekman. All students, faculty, and staff in the Cal State University system are now required to get COVID-19 booster shots for the spring semester. The deadline for getting a booster is February 28th, or six months after the final dose of vaccination. Individual campuses can impose earlier deadlines, and Cal State says it's still negotiating the requirement with labor unions. The announcement comes a day after the UC system announced a similar mandate for its 10 campuses. 
Hollywood is still reeling from the devastating shutdown brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. And according to a new report, the lull in production hit California especially hard. KCRW's Danielle Chiriguayo has the details. From June 2020 to May 2021, scripted series productions in the Golden State dropped by nearly 40 percent. That's according to new data in a new report from Film LA, the city and county's official film office. But it wasn't all bad for California. It reigned supreme when it comes to TV filming locations. Almost half of broadcast shows and roughly a quarter of streaming and cable programs were all filmed in the Golden State. 2021 was expected to be a boon for Hollywood, due in part to the release of brand new streaming platforms, including HBO Max and Paramount+. Instead, the total amount of scripted series available to viewers dropped by 26%. But there is a good sign that production is slowly returning. Film LA says while the production pipeline logjam remains for the time being, shoot days for TV dramas have risen by more than 120% over their five-year quarterly average. For the California Report, I'm Danielle Chiriguayo in Los Angeles. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Belligerent nation states, exes bent on revenge porn, hucksters selling fake medical cures. There are a lot of scary threats Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, is trying to counter with a combination of artificial intelligence and human content moderators. But innocents are still getting deleted, as KQED's Rachel Myro reports from our Silicon Valley desk. Some of you may have heard of Adolf Hitler, started a world war in the mid-20th century, launched a genocide commonly known as the Holocaust. The dictator of Germany from 1933 until his death in 1945 made such a big dent in the universe, provocative new details about Hitler's life and times still crop up now and then. A few years ago, L.A. playwright Michelle Colos Brooks came across an article about one of the young women forced to taste Hitler's food before he ate it. And I uh, wrote a play around that, putting young women in a room, (laughs) waiting to die at every meal. A former journalist and Jewish-American, Brooks wants to bring history to life for modern audiences. Because for young people today, you know, World War II is uh, in the rear view. Hitler's Tasters has been performed in a lot of places, including New York, Chicago, Venice, California, the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, and coming this April, New York again. Critics and audiences alike have responded positively to this dark comedy about an awful topic. Sometimes people are not 
sure if it's okay to laugh. You know, it's very, a lot of it gets very dark, but we encourage it. But the Facebook pages of the play, Brooks, all the actors, even the director, were deleted suddenly in mid-November with a generic alert that informed them they had violated the company's community guidelines. Years of photos, videos, followers, and contacts gone. And so in the past, we've had the opportunity to say, hey, you got this wrong. And this time, it was just a sweeping removal out of nowhere. Haley Griffin is an actor in Hitler's Tasters and also its social media maven. So the only thing that we can take from it is that they don't like the fact that the show is named Hitler's Tasters. You can request a review, what Facebook calls a cross-check. And Brooks did and got an email back in 30 minutes. Hi. Friendly opening. Your account has been permanently disabled for not following the Facebook community standards. Unfortunately, we won't be able to activate it for any reason. This will be our last message regarding your account. Multiple news reports have detailed how arbitrary decisions made by artificial intelligence software rarely get a human review. Even though Facebook, by its own account, has 40,000 people working on safety and security. Even though there's ample evidence the algorithms still allow and even amplify toxic content. Facebook wants you to believe that the problems we're talking about are unsolvable. They want you to believe in false choices. That's Facebook whistleblower Frances Haugen testifying before the Senate Commerce Committee last October. She argued something akin to an old saw in Silicon Valley about persistent software problems. If it's not a bug, it's probably a feature. They want you to believe that you must choose between a Facebook full of divisive and extreme content or losing one of the most important values our country was founded upon, free speech. There's a happy ending to this story about Hitler's tasters. Two days after I inquired with Facebook, the pages went back up. No notice to those affected, but everything was restored. A Meta company spokesperson admitted the accounts were incorrectly removed and even apologized. Naturally, I'm pleased, but is this any way to run a social media platform? For the California Report... I'm Rachel Myro in Menlo Park. It's almost Christmas, but even if you don't celebrate, you can still savor the holiday delicacies that abound across the state, whether in bakery shop fronts or family kitchens. In the Bay Area, the sheer variety of holiday treats says a lot about the cultural richness of our home region. I called up KQED's food editor, Luke Tsai, to ask him about some of his favorites. And he started telling me about what he thinks makes holiday cuisine in the Bay so distinct. I think a lot about just all of the different types of people that we have here in the Bay Area, each of whom have their own different holiday traditions. And I think there's just such a richness there that we're really fortunate that we can sample all of these different flavors that might not be always the ones that come top of mind if you're used to just only thinking of like kind of Western, um, sort of Eurocentric kind of holiday traditions. I know you recently wrote about one holiday treat from a shop called Sweet Condessa in Oakland. Can you tell me a little bit about them and their Christmas pies? Sure. Sweet Condessa is this Filipino bakery business that's based in Oakland. And they sort of first became well-known during Thanksgiving last year, during the pandemic, because they sort of came up with this pretty simple premise, which is to 
make these very festive custard-based holiday pies, but to do it with distinctly Filipino flavors. So flavors like ube or halo halo. For my own socially distanced outdoor Thanksgiving that my family had last year, we got the calamansi pie, which is a sort of very tart, sort of better than any key lime pie that I've ever had. And for Christmas this year, again, they're they're keeping to that theme. And so, for instance, they have a babinka pie, which is based on the sort of pretty well-known coconut rice cakes that traditionally during Christmas time, after the Christmas mass in the Philippines, you would find these sold sort of piping hot by street vendors outside of the church. Unfortunately, it's a very tiny operation, so they're almost certainly sold out in terms of their Christmas pies right now. But if you're interested, you can look for them at the San Ramon Farmer's Market. Are there other favorite winter holiday dishes that you feel like really represent the full spectrum of cultural identities in the Bay Area? Sure. I mean, I think if you're talking about Christmas in the Bay Area, you can't really talk about it without talking about tamales. That's such a, like, especially for Mexican-American families, that's such a big part of the Christmas tradition. My personal favorite spot is this place in North Oakland called Tamaleria Azteca. There's another company I love called Arepas and BC, and it's a Venezuelan sort of pop-up. And they make, for Christmas time, ayacas which is sort of the Venezuelan version of a similar type of thing. Uh, They're these steamed masa cakes that are wrapped in fragrant banana leaves, maybe a little bit sturdier than a a Mexican tamal. Um, And they're filled with this rich, meaty stew that has olives and raisins in it. And the best thing about them for the holidays is that you can put them in the freezer, put a bunch of them in the freezer, um, and they reheat beautifully. And I know that this is obviously a strange time right now, but a lot of us are really looking forward to getting together with our family and friends. Are there any specialties that you're particularly looking forward to enjoying with your loved ones this year? Yeah, this. so this was also a tradition that started last year, once again, when, you know, we couldn't buy plane tickets to see loved ones. So we spent some of that money instead trying to find, like, what is the most luxurious holiday dessert <laughs> that we can buy? And so we ended up getting the chocolate panettone from this Bay Area company called Panettone from Roy. And they just make the most decadent, richest, most luxurious panettone. Their chocolate panettone especially is just incredibly delicious. You can you can just slice it up and eat it. You can toast it up if you want to. And so once again, I've put in an order this year that's supposed to come in the mail any day now. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to enjoying that with my family. Right on. That sounds like a lot of fun. Luke Tsai is KQED's food editor. Luke, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. For more of Luke's coverage, check out kqed.org. On Twitter, he's at Luke Tsai. That's at T-H-E-L-U-K-E-T-S-A-I. And Luke says if you want to place an order for New Year's Ayakas from Arepas in BC, they're still accepting those via text. Support for the California Report comes from Water Heaters Only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. 
Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at schmidtfutures.com, and Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. And that's the California Report for Thursday, December 23rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.